Before Jeremy comes to uh, uh, speak to us, and we do thank Jeremy for coming uh, this weekend uh, to um, bring us God's word. Uh, we do hope that you'll bring our, our greetings to the people at Welcome Hall. And um, I just want to tell you just very briefly what God's been doing here at Chelmsley Wood. Uh, we've had encouragements. Uh, it's good to have um, Stem and uh, Bridget just over there. If you could just maybe put your hand up. Yes. <laughs> uh, they've come into membership this year and it's been really, really encouraging to have them amongst us. We continue to have the gospel preached here on Sunday morning and in the evening. And we're very thankful for that. Uh, uh, Keith, at the back there, has been responsible for uh, arranging the ministry. Uh, we're thankful for Keith for that. But um, every Sunday gets fill, filled with uh, someone who's coming to preach the word. And we're so very, very thankful for that. That we're being, continuing to be fed every week from God's word and we are continuing to pray for a pastor to lead us here in Chelmsley Wood uh, not only to preach the gospel we ha uh, preach those great subjects of the gospel of salvation and justification faith in the Lord Jesus Christ but we also think of uh, the ongoing process of sanctification that's a wonderful subject in itself isn't it that process where every saint is conformed to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ it's that process that we're not really very aware of I, I suppose of, of that process that's happening in each one of us if we're Christians uh, you might be familiar with uh, that situation where grandparents, they see their, uh, their grandchildren, they haven't seen them for a while, and they say, oh, how are you, how are you grown? Well, I hope that uh, people will see that of us in a spiritual sense, that over this last year, that we can truly say of ourselves as a church, oh, how we've grown how we've become more like the Lord Jesus well that's I believe what God has been doing amongst us here at Chelmsley Wood we continue to go to Barbara Glasgow house and it's really good to see some of the folk there who have oh Brian I've just seen Brian uh, some of the folk there who we see every month uh, we do welcome you here we pray that uh, this service will be a, a great blessing to you. Um, we're thankful, aren't we, that we serve such a great God. And the Lord knows all about us. He knows about the road ahead. And that's such a comforting thought, isn't it? In, this very, in these very uncertain, troublesome times in which we're living in in this country I, we, I don't have to tell you do I 
of the situation that we're in in this country and yet we serve a God that knows all things you know all things work for good for those who are called according to his purpose and I mentioned sanctification before well I trust that the Lord is preparing us as a, as a, as a fellowship for the things that are yet to happen I truly believe that he continues to show us his loving kindness continually he continues to show us his patience, his grace most of all his grace our undeserved favour he shows to those who turn to him and put their trust in him so there are just a few things uh, from Chelmsley Wood, we're very thankful for the the links that we have with other churches in this area uh, I see Jason and Michelle over there we're thankful for the, for the connection that we have with Bedworth and Welcome Hall uh, and other like-minded churches in this area I think in the, in the days ahead we're going to need to uh, build up more of those connections with each other and support each other and so yeah that's my bit and uh, I'd like to now uh, come to the Word of God. And I'm going to be reading from Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. Paul's letter to the Ephesians chapter 5. And I'm going to read the ver verse 1 to 21. <laughs> Hear God's word. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you, as is fitting for saints. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know, that no fornicator, clean person, nor covetous man, who is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. For you were once in once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness and truth. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. But rather expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. For whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore he says, Awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light.
See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Therefore do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the, with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father, in, all, in, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. So reads the word of God. Now let's pick up. Thank you, John, for leading us. And thank you all for having me. It is indeed a joy uh, to be with you this afternoon. And I do bring to you the greetings of the Lord's people at Welcome Hall Evangelical Church in Caps Hill, a Bromsgrove. Let me begin by directing your attention to three passages of Scripture, the third of which will be our text. We begin in the Old Testament, in the book of Psalms, and with a verse that is a particular favourite of mine, Psalm 92 and verse 14. Psalm 92, 14, where the psalmist writes... They shall still bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and uh, flourishing. Don't you just love older people who are like that? Still bearing fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing. Isn't that just the kind of older person uh, that you would want to be still bearing fruit in old age, being fresh and flourishing. And the good news is that whether you're the oldest person in this congregation this afternoon, or whether you're the youngest, or whatever you may be in between, when our faith is in the Lord Jesus Christ, and we are living for Him, we can all know what it is to be fruitful, fresh, and flourishing. What does that look like for us as a New Testament believers? Well, the second passage I direct your attention to is in the New Testament, Paul's letter to the Galatians and chapter 5. Galatians 5 and verses 22 and uh, 23, where we have uh, the Apostles' uh, classic uh, statement regarding the fruit of the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. Notice the Apostle speaks of the fruit of the Spirit, a singular. Yes, there are uh, multiple 
things mentioned here, love, joy, peace, etc. But these are really like different segments of the one fruit. We're not to understand this as some kind of a la carte menu, if I can put it that way, where you pay your money and you take your choice. And, well, uh, I'll do the love if uh, you'll do the joy and uh, somebody else uh, will, uh, will look after the peace. No, these things individually and together are to be the characteristics of Christians because they are the characteristics of our Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. What does it look like uh, to be fruitful, to be fresh, to be flourishing, whatever our age and stage in the Christian life? Well, it looks like these things. It looks like love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And then the third passage I'd direct your attention to, uh, where we'll find our text, is the one that John kindly read in our hearing a few moments ago. Moving from Galatians to Ephesians, Paul's letter to the Ephesians, again at chapter 5. And zooming in for our purposes this afternoon upon verse 9. The ninth verse, this, these words have a, a context. Uh, we're not going to pay great attention to the context. I trust we're not going to do anything with these words that uh, uh, does not fit with the context. But we're zooming in on verse 9, this ninth verse. Where Paul writes, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness righteousness and truth so it's this phrase again the fruit of the spirit but what we have in what we might call longer form in Galatians 5 we have here in shorter form in our text Ephesians 5 verse 9 the fruit of the spirit is in all goodness righteousness and truth so our theme from God's Word this afternoon is fruitful, fresh and uh, flourishing. And with the help of this verse, we want to think a little, with the Lord's help, about what it looks like uh, to flourish spiritually. What it looks like to flourish spiritually as individuals, as Christians, and what it looks like to flourish spiritually together as a local church on this anniversary occasion. Three things. Number one, likeness to Jesus. Likeness to Jesus. If we're to be fruitful, fresh and flourishing, then there must be likeness to Jesus. Because the Lord Jesus Christ is the personification of the fruit of the Spirit. If I may say this reverently, He is the walking, a talking, a fruit of the Spirit. The Apostle writes, the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And the Lord Jesus Christ, He is good, He is righteous, and He is true. He is good on the inside, He is righteous on the outside, and He is true in everything. Let's just unpack that a little. He is good on the inside. 
we've all seen things, haven't we, that look good on the outside, but aren't quite so good on the inside. Maybe a folly. You know one of those buildings, perhaps on a hill, and it's uh, meant to look like a, a castle or a stately home, and you uh, see it from a distance, and it looks so good, it looks so impressive. But then maybe you get nearer in your car, or you walk up the hill, and you get that, and you realise it's just a facade. There isn't really any castle, there isn't really any stately home. It looks good on the outside. But it's not so good on the inside. <coughs> or maybe you've been to look at a used car. And uh, on the outside it looks good. And it's clean and it's tidy and it's been polished and, and so on. But then you get in and uh, you turn the key. Uh, and nothing much happens. And you quickly realise that what looks so good on the outside. Perhaps isn't so good. On the inside. Or a piece of fruit. Whatever your favourite fruit is. To keep up your five a day. Maybe it's an apple or a banana. And you take the apple and it looks good on the outside. But you cut it down the middle with a knife. You open it up and it's rotten. On the inside. Or the banana which looks alright on the outside. But you peel it. And on the inside it's too hard. It's too soft. It's gone black or whatever. We're all familiar with things. That look good on the outside. But are not so good on the inside. And ultimately disappoint. And as with things, as it is with things, so it is with, with people. People can look good on the outside. People can give an impression of goodness. And yet when we get to know them better. And to understand their character. We find they are not on the inside. As they appeared to be on the outside. And we know that's true for all of us. None of us are what we ought to be on the inside. But the Lord Jesus Christ is good. Not just on the outside. But on the inside too. If with the Lord Jesus we could do with him as you do with those Russian dolls. You remember the things where you take the doll off and there's another one inside. And you take another one off and there's another one inside. And so you keep going till you've got seven dolls or ten dolls or whatever. Figuratively speaking, if we could do that with the Lord Jesus. We would find that he's good at every level. He's good all the way through. His thoughts and his feelings, only good. Nothing whatsoever to be ashamed of. Everything worthy and just what it ought to be. Let us be in no doubt that the Lord Jesus Christ is good. Good on the inside. But because he's good on the inside, he's also righteous on the outside. Because Jesus himself said, didn't he, that what is on the inside of a person will inevitably work its way 
onto the outside of the person. We see that, don't we, in terms of our own unrighteousness. The fact that none of us are what we ought to be on the inside evidences itself by the fact that none of us are what we ought to be on the outside either. Because we're angry on the inside, we're angry on the outside. Because we're bitter on the inside, we're bitter on the outside. Because we're covetous on the inside, we're covetous on the outside. Because we're deceitful on the inside, we're deceitful on the outside. Because we're envious on the inside, we're envious on the outside. You get the picture, don't you? You don't need me to go through the rest of the alphabet. Anger, bitterness, covetousness, deceitfulness, envy, and so it goes on. Because we're unrighteous on the inside, so we're unrighteous on the outside. But the Lord Jesus Christ, being good on the inside, He is righteous on the outside too. All His words, everything He has ever said, all His deeds, everything He has ever done. Again, nothing of which to be ashamed. Everything worthy. Good on the inside and righteous on the outside. Paul speaks in our text of the fruit of the Spirit being in all goodness, righteousness and truth. So he's good on the inside, he's righteous on the outside, and the Lord Jesus Christ is true in everything. No other human being can be trusted absolutely. Each and every one of us is a mixture of truth and uh, falsehood. There's that classic statement some of you may be familiar with in the Westminster Confession of Faith. I came across it again uh, recently for another reason and it speaks of churches and it says the purest churches under heaven are subject to both mixture and error. And that's true of churches. The purest churches under heaven are subject to both mixture and error. And the reason that that's true of us together as churches is because it's true also of us individually as Christians. We are all, if I can put it this way, mixed bags. None of us are as bad as we could be, but none of us are as good as we should be. We are a mixture of truth and falsehood. But not our Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. He is true in everything. And that is why each and every one of us can, and each and every one of us should, trust Him absolutely. No one else is worthy of our absolute trust. But the Lord Jesus Christ, he is worthy that we should trust him absolutely. And we see his truth nowhere clearer, do we, than in his Calvary work. As he allowed himself to be crucified upon the cross. As there he took our sin upon himself and bore our guilt. 
in his own body upon the tree. There he shows us the truth of God in his holiness. There he shows us the truth about us in our sinfulness. And there he shows us the truth of the love of God, his compassion and mercy, which would send his son into this, who would send his son into this world, that he might accomplish for us that which we could never accomplish for ourselves, namely salvation and life everlasting. So we read these words, goodness, righteousness, truth, or you can read the longer form of uh, the fruit of the Spirit back in Galatians 5, love, joy, peace, etc. And we are not so much to see these things as some kind of a checklist. Well, you know, I need, I need to be loving, so I need to try harder at being loving. And, and I need to be joyful, so I need to try harder at, at, at being joyful. We're not to look on these things that way. Because that ultimately will never work. That's just legalism. That's trying to work something from the outside in. The genius of the Christian life is that God by his word and by his spirit works things from the inside out. And what we need to do in these lists is to see Jesus here. Goodness is Jesus. And righteousness is Jesus. And truth is Jesus. And he is all these things. And we're to love him for all that he is. And the more we love him for all that he is. The more God by his word and by his spirit. Will mould us and shape us into his image. In order that increasingly we resemble him. What does it mean to be fruitful, fresh, and flourishing? This is the first thing. Likeness to Jesus. Number two. Growth to maturity. Growth to maturity. It was uh, John Newton, uh, the converted uh, slave trader, who became... Uh, preacher of the gospel and wrote so many hymns who famously said I am not what I ought to be I am not what I want to be I am not what I hope to be in another world but still I am not what I once used to be and by the grace of God I am what I am. John Newton understood, you see, that he was on a journey. That the Lord was doing a work in his heart and in his life. He wasn't yet what he would be. He hadn't yet arrived, but he could praise God that he wasn't what he once was. And that God had begun a work in his heart and in his life. And we must understand that we always live our Christian lives in the present sandwiched between what we were and uh, what we will be. We're not what we once were. Once we were lost in sin, we are lost in sin no longer as God's people. Once we were far from God, praise Him, we are far from Him no longer. Once we were heading for hell, by His grace we are heading for hell no more. We're not what we once were. 
But we're not what one day we shall be. One day, praise God, we shall be free from sin. But we're not free from sin just yet. One day we shall be before the throne of God. But we're not before the throne of God just yet. One day we shall be in the glory of heaven forever and ever. But we're not in the glory of heaven just yet. So we live, you see, in the present, sandwiched between what once we were, we're not what once we were, and what one day we shall be, we're not what yet what one day we shall be. So, the Christian life, therefore, is all about growth, change, and development. It's all about God, by His Word and by His Spirit, making us more like Jesus, as we've seen, moving us so that we become less and less like what once we were, and more and more like what one day we shall be. Let's just think about this a little bit more in terms of our text and goodness and righteousness and truth. This means, first of all, being changed from the inside out. This, you see, is the difference between mere religion and saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Mere religion, whatever form that may take, is all about trying to change ourselves from the outside in. It's all about doing this and not doing that uh, in order somehow to, to change ourselves on the outside, hoping that if only we can uh, change ourselves enough on the outside, somehow that will work its way onto the inside. But saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, it changes us from the inside out. It is fundamentally a heart thing. And a changed heart leads to a changed life. That's why our affections are so important. So there must be heart change. There must be change on the inside. If there's to be change on the outside too. But this growth to maturity. If it means being changed from the inside out. That inward change will show itself outwardly. It will. It can't not do. It will show itself in the way that we speak. In the way that we act. In what we do. In what we don't do. In the difference that we make in the lives of others. And the cumulative effect of this is that change from the inside out. That inward change showing itself outwardly. Our lives will ring true. They will have that quality of genuineness about them. When Paul writes about truth in our text, he's not speaking as many do today in terms of, well, my truth and your truth and anybody else's truth. But he's speaking of the truth as God declares it to be. He's speaking of the truth as the Lord Jesus Christ demonstrates it 
to be. You remember uh, those words of our Saviour in his high priestly prayer in John chapter 17, shortly before he died. John 17, 17, where he prays to his heavenly Father, Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Change from the inside out. That inward change showing itself outwardly. Our lives ring true as we are sanctified by the truth. Sanctified by God's word. And this great point we're making at the moment is is growth. We shouldn't be settling for standing still in our Christian lives. Because really that's impossible to do. It is impossible to stand still in the Christian life. I'm no great swimmer, but you know what it's like in swimming. Uh, You can swim forwards, you can swim backwards, or you can tread water, they call it, don't you? Where you just sort of do this with your hands and you do something similar with your feet. And you're not going one way, you're not going the other way, you're just keeping yourself afloat. It's very easy for us as Christians to think that we can somehow tread water spiritually. We're not pressing into the Christian life and pressing on with the Lord. But we we convince ourselves, well, we're not going backwards either. We're not turning away, but we're just kind of treading water. But it's impossible to tread water spiritually. We're always either going forward or we're sliding backwards. And so the challenge of our text this afternoon is, how are we on the inside? Is there growth? Is there change? Is there development in our hearts? And how are we on the outside? Is there growth? Is there change? Is there development in our Christian lives, which is obvious to others around us? Does our Christianity ring true? Has it got that sense of the genuine about it? Does it seem the real thing? Growth to maturity. That's what our Saviour intends. You think about a, a newborn uh, a newborn baby. And uh, you, there's a newborn baby in the family or, or in the church or whatever and... Uh, They get passed around and held and adored and it's all kind of goo-goo and gaga for a while, isn't it? But you don't expect it to be all goo-goo and gaga forever, do you? That's an age, that's a stage, that's, that's wonderful. But then you expect growth. You expect change. You expect development. And if there isn't that growth, that change, that development, then you can very quickly become very anxious and worried. Well, as it is with physical life, with a newborn baby, so it is with spiritual life as Christians. There are ages and there are stages. But there is to be growth and change and development as we mature in these things and become more and more what our Saviour would have us to be. So, we're thinking about fruitful, fresh and flourishing. We've said, number one, likeness to Jesus. Number two, growth to maturity. 
And number three, willingness to sacrifice. Willingness to sacrifice. It was uh, Jim Elliot, the missionary who was martyred, who famously said, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. And uh, the Lord Jesus Christ said something uh, very similar, didn't he? In Mark's Gospel, uh, chapter 8 and verse uh, 36, Jesus said, What shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Now very often we apply that to the seeker. Maybe you're here this afternoon and you're, you're not yet a Christian. Maybe you're, you're interested. Maybe you're, you're seeking. And you need to hear this from the lips of the Lord Jesus uh, this afternoon. That what, what, what profit, what gain would it be to you if you were to gain the, the whole world, everything this world could give you and yet ultimately lose your soul and die lost and estranged from Christ and punished to all eternity? Or maybe this afternoon it needs to be applied to a Christian who is being called to something particular. Jim Elliot wrote as a missionary, didn't he? He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. And, and many who have been called to pastoral ministry or to missionary service or to other forms of Christian work have, have had to count this cost. They've had to, to, to do this sum to, to work out this equation. Yes, it's going to cost something. Sacrifice is necessary. But why would I hold on to what I cannot keep? When I could gain what I cannot lose. But also, and this is my particular emphasis this afternoon, there is a sense in which this applies to the Christian life to the Christian daily in our Christian lives. Every day we have to determine before the Lord, are we going to live for this life, for this world, for that which is fleeting and passing? Or are we going to make the Lord and uh, the gospel our priority? What will be the effect of a, a willingness to sacrifice in order to pursue this fruit of the Spirit, this goodness, this righteousness, and this truth? Well, it must mean, first of all, making spiritual flourishing a priority. As a saying in the world, isn't there? Aim at nothing and you'll hit it. And that's true in the Christian life, just as it's true in anything else. Aim at nothing and you'll hit it. But we must understand that if we're going to make spiritual flourishing a priority, it will cost us something. People are willing to make sacrifices for physical growth and change and development, aren't they? Someone may sign up to do a couch to 5K. Uh, maybe they've spent most of their life on the couch. 
but they decide that they'd like to be able to run 5k. They'd like to be able to run 3 miles. And well if they're, if they're going to do that it's going gonna, it's gonna to cost them something. But they get out there and little by little. And to begin with they're walking more than they're running. But then gradually the walks get shorter and the runs get longer. Until if they persevere and if they persist they can run the 5k. I've got a couple of friends who run marathons. I've never run a marathon and I don't think I ever will. But I've got a couple of friends who over the last couple of years have trained to, to run marathons and they've, they've achieved that. But it cost them something in terms of time, discipline and, and effort. Some of us maybe we've tried to lose weight and it requires determination and effort and resolve. And what is true physically is true spiritually as well. Those who flourish spiritually are those who are willing to sacrifice in order that they might grow and change and develop. One has famously described the Christian life as a long obedience in the same direction. And that's very helpful. Because really, this likeness to Jesus, this growth to maturity, it involves lots of little steps. You know, it's easy for us to sit in the comfort of an armchair and imagine the kind of Christian we would like to be. And how we might serve the Lord. And all that we would do. But it's not going to happen is it? Without little steps. The older I've got as a Christian. The longer I've served in the ministry. The more I've realised. That much of the Christian life. And much of Christian service. Is simply about continuing to put one foot in front of the other. It's not always about living the dream. Sometimes life is difficult. Sometimes ministry is hard. But the Lord calls us by His grace and to His glory to keep putting one foot in front of the other. And often it's not until we look back after a long time that we see something of the cumulative effect of all those little steps. When we just kept going. And we wondered at times what it was all about. And whether it was really achieving anything. And what was the point of it all. But step by step the Lord was working in us. And step by step... The Lord was working on us. And step by step the Lord was working through us. And step by step the Lord was doing things we didn't have any idea about whatsoever. Lots of little steps. Putting one foot in front of the other. It's the day by day. It's the hour by hour. It's the moment by moment. It's the one step at a time. It's the long obedience 
in the same direction. So willingness to sacrifice makes spiritual flourishing a priority. Long obedience in the same direction. And, and we must never forget this. God is no man's debtor. It's easier to say than to live. But it's true nonetheless that you'll never lose out by making the Lord's priorities your priorities. That's true as Christians. That's true as churches. We'll never lose out by making the Lord's priorities your priorities. And I've deliberately worded it that way. Making the Lord's priorities your priorities. Rather than making the Lord your priority. Now don't misunderstand me. We are to make the Lord our priority. Of course we are. But sometimes people can abuse that sort of language. And they say well the Lord's my priority. And because the Lord's their priority. They can actually neglect the Lord's priorities for their lives. Well, the Lord's my priority, so my family must just be sacrificed on the altar of the Lord. Or, well, the Lord's my priority, so I can't really get involved in this uh, Christian service because, well, I'm just busy with with the Lord. And, And so it goes on. Whereas, really, if we are making the Lord our priority, then that means making the Lord's priorities our priorities. And His priorities are, for us, are. That as Christians we don't take those other responsibilities less seriously. We take them more seriously. And we make the Lord our priority by making his priorities our priorities. Whether that be home, church, work, the various various different aspects of life which the Lord has given to us. Making his priorities our priorities. <coughs> In every area of life. It was C.T. Studd. The international cricketer. Who became a pioneer missionary to China. Who famously said. If Jesus Christ be God. And died for me. Then no sacrifice can be too great. For me to make. For him. Fruitful. Fresh. And flourishing. That's what the Lord wants his people to be. The beginning of our Christian lives. All the way through our Christian lives. At the end of our Christian lives. When we're young. When we're old. Whatever we are in between. Fruitful. Fresh. And flourishing. What does that mean? Well, it may mean more than these things, but it never means less. Likeness to Jesus, growth to maturity, willingness to sacrifice. May the Lord help us and may the Lord bless us. Amen.